Welcome to Storm Stories, a collection of stories from Hurricane Florence. This podcast series explores resilience and recovery in the coastal region through local stories. I'm your host, Laura Bratton, broadcasting from the Working Narrative Studio. Today on Storm Stories... Having lost everything, literally everything, everything our daughter owns, toys, um, bedding, mattresses, clothes, shoes, just anything you commonly think of, we had to start over with again. Jerry is a middle-aged family man who lost everything in Hurricane Florence. He lost his home, his job, his clothes, his nine-year-old daughter's toys, relics of memories from his own adolescence. Jerry has shoulder-length gray hair and wears a wooden cross around his neck. His smile and easygoing nature never hints at the story he has to tell. When news of Hurricane Florence hit Whiteville, North Carolina, Jerry and his wife ultimately decided to evacuate with their daughter to a friend's house in Georgia. And we heard Hurricane Florence was coming, so we were going to just ride it out. Uh, I've got a long history of medical, and I, I worked with Katrina when they hit in Louisiana. I was down there for four months doing medical assistance, so I'm familiar with storms. Wife didn't like it. She has really bad PTSD. She's had medical issues. She had Lyme's disease for a long time, a lot of health issues. And we had our nine-year-old living with us at the time. And some friends from church, one of our two churches here locally, had asked us to go with them to Georgia. We jumped on it. Uh, about maybe four or five days after we got down there, this is after the Hurricane Florence had hit, and a friend of mine sent me a drone picture. I'm like, dude, why are you sending me a drone picture of Lake Waccamaw when we're in the middle of a hurricane? And he texts back, he goes, that's your house. It's a trailer, but it was an elevated trailer. I had left a minivan there, and we couldn't see that in the picture at all until I zoomed in. I saw a little piece of silver. The water was above the roof of the minivan. So long story short, we had to wait about two weeks before we could head back because the road closures in South Carolina from rivers and everything. After waiting several weeks for floodwaters to subside, Jerry finally managed to get back to what was left of his trailer. Got as far as about a quarter of a mile after about a month after the Hurricane Florence had hit and put my, my pastor's wading boots on. He does fly fishing. So I'm walking in his big hip boots, which he's a lot bigger than I am, so I'm kind of holding him up. And I'm trudging through the water, and, and I'm watching a big fire ant nest float by. So I got over to my steps and walked up the steps, and I could not get in. It's like there was an elephant holding the door shut. I ended up breaking the door down. It was the only way into the house, and there was nothing left in there. You got to pick through to see if there's anything that survived. Everything was thrown everywhere. Dressers that were like 200-pound dressers were thrown everywhere. Um, there was a play set of our daughters in the backyard. It's one of those big wooden ones that you buy for like, you know, a lot of money. We got used. There was a 10-pound plastic slide in the exact same spot it had been when we left. But the 600-pound fort was literally across the other side of the road and halfway up the highway from the waves. <laughs> what would you say the damage was overall? Um, having lost everything, literally everything. Everything our daughter owns, toys, um, bedding, mattresses, clothes, shoes, just anything you commonly think of, we had to start over with again. So what did the world look like to you after all of this? I had faith that, you know, things would work out. But the big thing I worried about automatically hit me was the rest of my family. You know, I've got a nine-year-old who doesn't own anything anymore. In Whiteville, that's the greatest concern, family. But for some people, losing their homes didn't just impact their immediate family and their belongings. 
it wiped out generations of history. There was a house a few blocks from us that I heard somebody like just like screaming, basically. I thought they were getting killed. So I like ran a few blocks away and I walked over there and she's alone in her yard. It was an elderly woman. And I walked up, didn't know her. I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, no. I'm like, do you need anything? And she goes, no, I just need to calm down. Thank you. And I was like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, I've got nothing left here. Everything got destroyed. I'm like, yeah, I know the feeling. Same way with me. You know, it stinks. And I was like, well, how long have you been here? She goes, I was born in this house. My mother was born in this house. That's what's different, I think, with this county. One of the poorer counties, people don't leave. When you have a total loss like this, it's not just you now. It's your entire history that's gone. Whiteville has been around since the Revolutionary War. And certain families can trace their lineage all the way back to the Mayflower. Here's something that happens a lot after a disaster. You meet someone, and they tell you their struggles, some challenge they're currently facing that shouldn't be a challenge at all, because all they need is a little help. Jerry says the biggest issue in Whiteville during and after Florence has been a lack of information. While resources exist, people don't know how to access them. And how did you yourself get help? Um, got some help with some of the churches in the area. Um, I'm actually connected to Western Prong Baptist and Crossroads. Uh, if it wasn't for those two churches and here, uh, we would have been gone. There would have been nothing that we could have done because everywhere I turned, no one knew where to go for help. By here, Jerry means Community CPR, the local nonprofit in Whiteville, North Carolina, where he started working in early 2019. It was started after Hurricane Matthew. Its goal? To connect people to the resources they need. There is such a lack of people knowing where to go to ask for help. Because I'd see people walk by and it's like asking me questions like, you know, where do I go for this? I don't know how to get food. I don't know where to go. You know, I, I've lost. My roof is leaking. Where do I go? I mean, it sounds simple. You look on the internet and get the phone off for FEMA and call them up. It sounds really, really basic. But so many people don't know to do that. They really don't know. Um, we're trying to, here at Community CPR, become more of a central hub, almost like a physical building of the 211. You would dial if you needed a resource. And we still get people come in now that were like, you know, we got impacted by the hurricane. Okay, you know, what do you need? We lost everything. When we think about disasters, we think of big government-funded entities, FEMA, Red Cross, United Way, the list goes on. Jerry makes the point that we also need community information centers to take on the work of distributing resources. And I think if any government entity wants to get involved in making a change, because this is going to happen again, it's not money, although we need that, as much as we need to have in every town a location where somebody knows what the heck's going on. Having been more involved here and talking with people from the community that I wouldn't have talked to before, like the mayor of Bolton and, and Whiteville, they're asking questions government-wise, I think, in these towns I didn't ask the other years after Matthew. They're trying to, to make it where it flows better, to make it where people aren't lost in the gaps. And that's the biggest issue. And there is a huge, which I didn't know originally, Native American population here. For whatever reason, they seem to be getting the least. I mean, God, I hope it never happens again, but I know it will. I think the next time at least... Government-wise, I think things might be a little bit better. 
There seems to be a tension here. The big government aid approach to disasters versus small town do-it-yourself. Can these exist side by side or will one prevail? You've been listening to Storm Stories. Storm Stories is a project of the nonprofit arts and media organization Working Narratives, which is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. To learn more about Storm Stories, visit www.workingnarratives.org. Funding for Storm Stories was provided in part by the Media Democracy Fund's NC Local News Lab Fund, Unitarian Universalist Beach at Shelter Rock Foundation, and generous individuals like you. I'm your host and producer, Laura Bratton. Editing for this podcast was done by Erica O'Brien, and music was provided by Cambo Music. Special thanks to Ren Smith and Nick Saberla and everyone who made this podcast possible. Thank you for listening. <laughs>